0: This week on Tequila Sunrise, you're going to hear from Sarah Barnes Humphrey, the second half of our discussion with her, and you're going to learn what is her favorite reality show and how does that help her be a better leader. You're going to learn what this ships is all about, I said ships, folks, and what you can take away from her journey that can help you on your own. You better... Listen up. It's time to wake up to Tequila Sunrise, where unfortunately, without the aid of tequila, we open your eyes to how venture investing ticks focused on supply chain tech every single week. At this unholy hour of the day if you want a taste of how tech startup growth and investment is done join me every week for another blinding tequila sunrise greg white here from supply chain now i am always happy never satisfied willing to acknowledge reality but refusing to be bound by it my goal is to inform enlighten and inspire you in your own supply chain tech journey. Hey, if you are listening on SoundCloud, you should know you can only subscribe to Tequila Sunrise on apps like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or others, and be notified when we pour out another shot. Subscribe to Tequila Sunrise today so you don't miss a thing. And now for the second half of our fascinating interview with Sarah Barnes Humphrey, starting with what is her favorite reality show?
1: I think, I think the other one is I like reality TV. <laughs> So, a lot of my like my so How do you time, use that
0: to your advantage? <laughs> I, I'm using
1: reality TV to my advantage because I think that it really showcases communication and it really showcases strategy, depending on which show you're watching. Yeah. And so I can turn that into a bit of advantage when I'm uh, doing my day to day and figuring out new ideas, too, I guess.
0: What is your favorite reality show? <sighs> Oh, Come on, you brought it up. You got to confess Big it. Big brother. Really? Yes. Big brother. Okay.
1: Well, it's it's all about it's all about strategy and it's all about communication and it's all about how you interact with people.
0: I'm so desperate. It's a
1: social experiment. I mean, you can't get much better than that. You've got 16 people in a house and somebody comes out a winner. And so your social game has to be on point and your game game has to be on point. But in the background, you have to be strategically placing people and planting seeds to get you to the end.
0: Wow. So (laughs) I have gotten to the end of Netflix. So maybe I need to consider reality TV. I've never... I don't think I've ever actually watched... A reality show, maybe not since the Osbournes. That was just straight entertainment. There was no strategy. I was just I know, watching right? Ozzy stumble well, around.
1: So, some of it's just straight entertainment. Yeah. But my, you know, <laughs> some of them I do get some takeaways.
0: <laughs> so I, I don't know if I would call that an uh, a dysfunction, but. Well. I can, see it. I can <laughs> see it at times being helpful and relieving. I mean, it is, its it's got to be a stress relief, right? Yeah. Watch that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about, about your J-O-B, if you want to call it that. You used a great term, in my opinion, when you are a founder and that is obsessed. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Brad Feld, who is a prominent, one of the most prominent VCs, and I agree on this point, and that is that passion is not sufficient. When you're in a startup, obsession is required. Yeah. And I just did an episode on Tequila Sunrise a couple weeks ago that basically said, yeah, you can have, actually what I said for starters was work-life balance and startup have never met. Nope. And you can have work-life balance if you consider work as 70% and life as 30% Mm -hmm. with about a third to a half of life Being interrupted by work. If you consider that balance, then you can have Mm work-life balance. You think that's a fair assessment?
1: Oh yeah, that is so so true. I mean, listen. Right now, I'm I'm working seven days a week. I get a couple hours off here and there. You know, I take time off for dinner.
0: (laughs) Well, and you and and you have have two. I mean, in a way, you have made work part of your life. I mean, Alan clearly is contributing. Right? Yeah. And and you probably learned that somewhat from your parents. I mean, that part of the reason that people have their kids in their business <laughs> is not just because they'll work <laughs> cheap, Yeah. But, it, but it's also to have them around. I mean, in some businesses, you would not be around. My, wife's fam- my wife had a family business as well, mm-hmm. and she worked with her father as well. Yeah. Similarly, out on her ass at one point when her father sold the company, mm. and she found out by going to the accountant to no. take them the books on because she was the controller, yeah. In the books, and there her father was signing the contract with one of their vendors who had bought the distributorship. Damn. So
1: damn, it happens, right? Hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and it all depends on how they think about it too, and whether they feel like they're shielding you, like protecting you. And there's different mentalities, especially in the different you know stages of life and how you look at things and how you've been brought up, and and so you know, good intentions probably could have been done differently, according to somebody else. That's always the case. Yeah.
0: And, and, you know, the thing that I've learned is you just never look back. I mean, it is what it is. You always have to remember, you know, I worked for a company that was owned by a founder and you have to remember four words. They own the company.
1: Yeah. And my favorite quote, life is lived forward and understood backwards.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant.
1: Mm -hmm. Favorite.
0: All right. So let's talk about your company. So tell us a little bit about Ships and, and first of all how you came to start it, you know, mm-hmm. maybe even how you got the idea and and how it plays in the ecosystem today. You shared a little bit about your pivot, but yeah. let's talk about where you are today.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, you know, coming from the freight forwarding world, I know what you go through as a freight forwarder. I know what you do for free, right? There's a lot of things that freight forwarders are doing for free right now. But then more importantly, the frustrations on the shipper's side. And when I was doing sales, you know, I was in front of mid market importers and exp- exporters all the time. And when the crash of 2008 happened, it changed everything it changed margins it changed how people were were looking at their bottom lines and spot the spot market drove everything up freight forwarders started quoting on everything hmm. and shippers started demanding it because everybody was complying and so it turned into this environment where freight forwarders and shippers were constantly butting heads right shippers were really frustrated with the with the process and freight forwarders were resentful at, the amount of work that they put in to get one shipment. And so originally we looked at doing like an Expedia type model. And then I quickly realized that that wasn't going to work. What shippers are doing is that they're going to three to five different freight forwarders on every single shipment to get pricing. But the pricing's coming back in different formats with, you know, stuff in the fine print you know, they have to take a look at the terms and conditions and they really don't know if they're comparing apples to apples. And so it's a really big time consuming job for somebody. But in the end, you know, they're, they're also looking at service. They're looking at price. And by doing that, you know, they feel like they get the best deal on every single shipment and whether that's service or price, I mean, that's to be determined. But what it also does is it only limits them to three to five freight forwarders. I mean, there's 40,000 freight forwarders worldwide and why do you have to limit yourself? And so, yeah, so I really wanted to take a look at it from the shippers standpoint as to what were the pain points, what are they doing now? What can I do to better it so that they're not having to relearn a system, right? Because we don't want them to do that. You gotta meet them where they are and just make it better. And then for the freight forwarders, They're quoting on all these shipments and they're getting bookings one to 10% of the time.
0: One to 10%.
1: Yeah, right?
0: I get the frustration.
1: Yeah. And then they're also acting like a bank because they're extending credit to the shipper at no fault of the shipper, but they, they have to pay the steamship line and they're waiting 15 to 30 days to get paid by the shipper at the very least. And so they're floating, like the cash flow issue is just ginormous. Yep. And so for every single shipment, you've got a salesperson going out Right. Not every single shipment, but every single customer, let's say going out, finding a new customer, you're paying for their gas, you're paying for their cell phone, they're coming back, your pricing team is pricing different shipments, you're booking one to 10% of the time, and then you've got operations people on top of that as far as your costs. And so, what can we do to make sure that they don't have to go through that anymore? And those are really the reasons why everybody's butting heads right now. And so, we just decided to take the process of what they're doing on email and spreadsheets and put it online. So, Ships is essentially providing shippers with more choice of freight forwarder. They're providing them costing at their fingertips. So, no longer do they have to wait for a freight forwarder to pro- provide them costing. And that's even before a shipment has even been gone into production sometimes. We're giving them one login. So they don't have multiple logins across freight forwarders. And we're giving them one vendor, which is huge, right? Because every right. time you deal with a different forwarder, you have to set them up as a different vendor. And so it's really cumbersome and time consuming, not only for the people that are you know facilitating the traffic, but for everybody involved at the company. And then on the freight forwarder side, because we can provide the costing to the shipper, the shipper, 90 or maybe 80 to 90% of the time, is coming to them once the shipment is ready to get the actual quote and they're ready to book. And that's the okay. idea, right? Because who, like the freight forwarders, really need to be able to do what they do best. They're quoting on everything because they're afraid to lose a customer. Well, that right. shouldn't be the case. So, you know, quote on the lanes that you want to quote on right? So the freight forwarders can decide what lanes they want to quote on and they're going to get the quotes for those lanes. What are they good at? What do they make the most money on? That's what they do. They facilitate the transaction of moving freight, right? That's their core business. So let's get back to the core business. And then because they have one vendor and we've got a third party vendor that the shippers are getting credit through, the freight forwarders no longer have to extend the credit. And so essentially we're taking all of that and just making it better.
0: It's not Expedia but it is a marketplace of sorts it right is. it's where yeah. as you said meet them where they are that's a brilliant philosophy by the way every founder yeah. should think of it that way we had the discussion we've we've had the discussion before about you don't need your audience or your marketplace to get you you need to get them yes right
1: yes and like and- Like They don't trust each other right now. We need to come back to the drawing board and figure out how to get everybody to work together and doing the things that they do best and not the extra crap.
0: So you're providing a transparency, I mean, not only a central sort of hub of where to get the information, but a transparency and a trustworthiness to them that absent an independent arbiter, they can't really guarantee or count on from either side, right? Right. Yeah, that's, that is a cool model. And it it has recently, and of course, you and I have talked about this for a year or more now, but mm-hmm. it has recently really struck home just how little trust, how little transparency, and how little even a contract means in the freight forwarding industry, in the shipping yeah. industry in general. And this allows, every, you know, this levels the playing field. It allows everyone to see all the terms, to understand whether they are comparing apples to apples. Yeah, I have to ask this question: How come somebody hasn't done this before you? Why? Why now? Why, right? Why ships? Why now? This doesn't this seem like a problem that somebody should have figured out some time ago? I, yeah. I know you being in the industry have to feel that way, right? Yeah,
1: no, I absolutely do. Um, it's taken us a while because we've really built it based on feedback, and so it took us a while through research and development to really understand what we wanted to create. Um, and like you said, create it for them, not for us. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's some other platforms out there. Uh, one of them in particular focuses on posted rates. And, you know, I th- although that's good for some, when you look at the mid-market and you look at the teams that they have, which are non-existent, right? right. It could be one person, it could be two pers- people actually doing this. They don't necessarily trust posted rates and they still wanna get real time rates. So even if they're going for posted rates, they're probably still going for freight forwarders to quote on just to see where that ends up. So they're still doing it. And I think the mid-market has been lost in translation for a long time. I think, you know, the small to medium sized businesses from the research that I've been doing are really driving the economy and that's, what's going to drive the economy into the future. And so they just, they need to be supported. I don't know why it's not been done this way before. I don't know if it took maybe somebody who's been in the industry a while and has been on both sides, you know, the sales and the operations side. I don't know. I don't know what that is, but I do know that it's just something simple that just needs to be done to help help make that process better for both sides.
0: So you know it's funny you say that the someone who's been in the industry because i think so often disruptors come from outside the industry and sometimes yes. purely from a tech perspective but the value of certainly that is valuable. I call it the blessing of naivete. Right. You don't have the overhead, the burden of knowing the way it's been done before. Yeah. But but sometimes When you have only that perspective, you throw out the baby with the bathwater. You just say, none of this works. Let's just start over. And there is some element, certainly a valid portion of of element, that knowing the industry and having the gift of applying that naivete as if you are an outsider allows you to break through and enables that a lot better. So that industry expertise becomes a really important part. You need a tech geek and you need an industry geek. Yeah. Right? I mean you really need somebody who geeks out on this, right? Yeah. as well as that. And you've got that, right, John? Yeah. John's not that familiar your co-founder is not that familiar with the industry, correct?
1: Well, he is, but more from a trucking and a courier standpoint, but he definitely knows the the software and the tech side. And so he's got a little bit of both, which is great. And I feel like if you do come in from the outside, sometimes it takes a lot of education to get them to where you need them to be as a customer, because you're not, and i'm going back to what i said meeting them where they are right and ha- or having versus having them meet you where you think they should be right which in this industry is not an easy thing to do
0: yeah that's right and in, in a lot of industries it's very difficult because you have to you do have to get them i mean i think about the companies that i've worked for started to run or sold or whatever we were really good at that and i can't say it was intentional on my part my teams were always really strong at yeah. that, of getting the customer and making sure they knew that we got them. Yeah. And that is when you've broken through when that's one of the best things, frankly, I think you can have your customers say is they get us. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We, we actually, because you try to pull when you win a deal. Yeah. And um, when you hear somebody say we went with you because we felt like the technology was neutral, which was never the case. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but obviously we weren't selling very well, but you got us. So mm-hmm. if that is the trigger point that gets you over the line, use it, be it. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the, the amount of forwarders, right. Cause we've got two customers, we've got the, the importers, and the exporters, and we've got the forwarders and the amount of forwarders that have called me super excited about this platform. And they've been pitched marketplaces and platforms over the last couple of years, and some of them have tried them. Yeah. But they're just like, you get it. Like you're taking out our barriers. Like these are the things that my team constantly comes to me and is like, why can't we do something about this?
0: Yeah, that's critical. I'm really glad you surfaced that because that is a critical element you need to, uh, you need industry knowledge to the extent that it allows you to see the vision mm-hmm. but you need to exclude that portion of industry knowledge that burdens you and slows you down and makes you remain a laggard with the industry yeah. as it exists today give us an idea of of who is an ideal shipper
1: sure Yeah, I mean, I kind of mentioned it before when I was painting the picture, right? It's somebody who is going to three to five different freight forwarders on every single shipment um, to get quotes right? I'm not, our, our ideal customer is not the enterprise. It's the mid-market shipper that can really see value in using a platform like Ships. in the fact that it's really going to take what they're doing from a manual email process, mm-hmm. move it all online to make it that much easier. Because like, that's, let's face it, most shippers don't have a TMS, right? A transportation management system. And so they're literally using email and Excel And they want a more efficient way to to be able to get in front of freight forwarders and get quotes and, you know, really move their shipments and get to know people on a platform and keep everything in one space, right? So for each shipment, all of the documents are in one space. All of the messaging center of you going back and forth with the, the freight forwarder is in one space under that PO, under that shipment. And so that's the ideal client on the importer or the importer, the exporter side. And then as far as a freight forwarder, I mean, really the freight forwarders come in all different sizes and we want to work with the freight forwarders that are looking to gain more business through the platform, are looking to reduce the amount of quotes that they're doing on a daily basis. On spec, Right and quote on the stuff that they want to quote on, you know, and really find customers worldwide. Because again, the other thing is, is that we're, you know, our choice is very limited to where we are. Meanwhile, there's so much out there worldwide, you know, like a, a American company using an American forwarder. I mean, yes, traditionally that's, that's, what has been happening. But there's a lot of forwarders out there that can handle different parts of your shipments that can do it differently depending on your requirements. And you might not know that they're out there.
0: Let me address a shipper. So a shipper is going to be a mid-market depending on what your definition there is, but yeah, it's going to be a brand manufacturer or retailer or are are there other products? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting because that is a huge and hopefully growing portion yeah. of the of the organization and and I think as reshoring and nearshoring occurs that's going to be a, f- a dynamic that's in substantial flux and that's yeah. going to create disruption for those companies the simplification of this process seems really really valuable to that market
1: yeah yeah um, absolutely
0: if you if you think about it on a wider front not not just even the problem you're solving what are some of the issues that you see these mid-market shippers and freight forwarders facing today?
1: You know, a lot of, there's a lot of time spent on each shipment that they have to move. I mean, if you consider somebody working with their purchasing department to decide on whether they want to purchase that product from that supplier or not, they need to know all of their landed costs. Mm -hmm. And so they go to a freight forwarder and they ask for the pricing and what it is right now so that they can inflate it to put it in within the cost of the product so that they can figure out what their total landed cost is. So that alone takes a long time, right? Because the forwarders may not have all of the pricing on hand. Potentially, depending on where it's coming from, it might not be a lane that they that they're good at. And so they've got to source the information. And so you're looking at anywhere from a couple of hours to 48 hours just for that to happen. Right. And so there's the lag, there's a real lag at every single part of this journey um that can that can be streamlined and easily easily done i mean if you go on the ship's platform and you enter in your shipment information as to what you want to bring in let's say shanghai to toronto And you click get ship's estimate. Well, you're going to get a pricing from port to port or from airport to airport that you can easily inflate to put into your total landed costs to get an idea of what that looks like. And you're going to get that right away. And then you go to the forwarder. So you're no longer exhausting your forwarder where your forwarder is like, am I just quoting on this just to give you costing again? Or are you actually going to book with me?
0: Yeah. And I could see that becoming burdensome for the relationship, right? At some point. Yeah. Yeah. Have you outstayed your welcome before you give them or do you give them enough business to make it worth their while to do and that? it
1: happens all the time. Yeah. You know, and and some shippers are like, I don't understand why my freight forwarder won't give me a price or why they take so long to give me a price. Well, did you give them any bookings lately?
0: Yeah, that's not how they make money.
1: Yeah. And so from a business perspective, they really have to figure out what that looks like. And if they're quoting and and because they're quoting on everything because they don't want to lose a customer, you know, they're all, they're not booking every single shipment, they're only booking, you know, something like 10% of the time, which is frustrating.
0: That is a recurring theme. in what you're talking about is you are removing that frustration. Very often when you build a company, you think you're going to change the world and you think you're going to change the world because of X, but really you're just alleviating frustration when it comes right down to it. And that's enough, right? Kind of like when people say you get us, that's enough. If that's what That's the problem that needs to be solved. You need to be open enough to recognizing that. Yeah. All right. So let's shift gears a little bit as we wind this thing down. So I'm interested in at this point to give some insights and takeaways for our audience. I think you've given a ton. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I'd I'd love to understand and have you share with our community. What do you you wish you had known earlier in life? And what do you think that might have Mm -hmm. changed for you?
1: I think I maybe I would have wished that I would have known that the journey is not a straight line and that you really just need to roll with the punches and how important meditation and gratitude is to getting through those parts of the journey. I think also being able to read people a little bit better, especially in the beginning of my journey would have been great Um, because again, I wear my heart on my sleeves, So I kind of trust people (laughs) Um, right off the bat. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's kind of nipped me in the bud a couple of times. And I think also I would have liked to have believed in myself a lot sooner.
0: As you went through this journey, you doubted yourself.
1: Well, you think that
0: was based on the trust that you have for people or?
1: So I've always had a side hustle. So I was working at my dad's company, but I've always had side hustles. So I'm, I'm a true believer in the fact that we need to try multiple things to figure out what we're good at, what we like to do, you know, what that looks like in our life journey. There's a lot of people that are very lucky that that comes very early. And so they're, they're able to really put that into their journey early on and have a lot of success. And so I have worked a lot for free for people. Um, really trying to figure that out. You know, I've I've done consulting for women in business and, you know, different things like that. And although it gave me a lot of experience, I feel like I might have gone out on my own a little bit sooner if I had just believed that much more in myself to know from, I mean, looking back on the last couple of years and what I've built and, and what I've been able to do since those doors closed and I was out on my ass, if I'd have known that a little bit sooner, I might've taken that leap that much earlier in my journey.
0: It's interesting, and I'm not saying this is exactly what you did, but this makes me reflect on this. It's interesting how many times I have seen people give away their time to try and build something that will eventually make them money, yeah, rather than take and have a side hustle or something like that to mitigate for the risk of the thing they really want to do yeah, rather and, and make money, make very little money either way rather than go all in on something Mm -hmm. and be able to put 100% of their time into that thing. I think that is, that's a really important recognition to have because people will value your time at exactly the value you put on it. And if you put a zero value on it, what else would you expect them to do? Right? Mm -hmm. I get it. Done it. You do it. I mean, even as an investor, you do that. That's a really good recognition. I think that's some, that. That is a great takeaway for our <laughs> listeners. Right? Awesome. I, I think if you do, you know, it's okay to give away your time. I think you should explicitly state up front, "I'm going to give you this to try and get to this stage, and at this stage, you pay me." Yeah. In fact, I've seen one company, one of the companies that I work with, Verison, They had to do that very thing to get people over the line to to sign contracts. We're yeah. going to give you X amount of return on investment. But when we hit that, you owe us X. And I think that explicit statement is the difference between giving away your time and investing your time.
1: Yeah, I would agree. That's put, That's very well said, Greg.
0: Um, but believe me, everyone who's ever who's ever learned to invest their time has spent time giving their time away, I can assure yeah. you.
1: Mm-hmm. And <laughs> only me, you. Not me only- among them. Only you in this episode. I've given away so much more of myself in this episode than I think I've ever given. So
0: it's it sucks to be on the, your side of the mic, doesn't <laughs> it? It really does. It's hard. It's so much easier to be asking the questions, mm-hmm. right? Yep. All right. So I, I feel like I've I feel like I have extracted uh, uh, so much out of you, and I really I really do appreciate it. You're a giving person anyway, and I appreciate you sharing all that in this just this one last question that is totally you totally about you is there anything that we didn't talk about or anything that you think our community needs to know that we haven't talked about
1: hmm yeah and maybe maybe it comes back to the perseverance and the perseverance that i was um you know just taking that away i guess from the story you know knowing that it's it's really something that everybody struggles with Um, including me. And it was a big struggle, but just, you know, putting one foot in front of the other and just keep going. Hopefully that'll just, you know, maybe help just one person.
0: It is amazing to see how far you can go if at every step you just say one more step.
1: Yeah. Yeah, right? I know. I know, and trust me, there were days. There yeah. were days, like long days. Well, and there but are many okay. more ahead
0: of you. But I feel like you're really, you're really well equipped for that. I, I mean, I, I think this. You know, another thing that people need to recognize is that those things you've experienced that you're throughout your life,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, they make they build you into the person to be able to take on the rest of your life.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: That's not to say there won't be struggles and you won't have another potentially crushing moment, but you will be so much better equipped yeah. to be able to deal with that. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and and sit with it. I think the the most important part is to, you know, sit with it and experience it, whatever that is for you, emotional wise, right. Whether that is tears, whether it's anger, whatever that is. Yeah. You know, sit with it and experience it, and that's also what's going to get you through. But if you concentrate on gratitude, you like Claudia said today um i don't know when this is airing, but she did the buddy buddy check Claudia freed she did okay. the buddy check today, and she said, if you're in gratitude, you can't be sad
0: that's a real that's really well said yeah that's awesome
1: mm-hmm.
0: well, thank you first of all, big thanks to you, just in case anyone forgot who you were. <laughs> Sarah Barnes Humphrey, CEO of Ships and Let's Talk Supply Chain. I really appreciate you spending time with us. Always great to see you. We've got a lot of work ahead of us and Mm -hmm. I'm really looking forward to doing it. This time you're not going to be out on your ass. You're going to be kicking ass (laughs) and and taking names. So I'm I'm, uh, looking forward to that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on the show and for pulling all of that out of me. (laughs) I just hope people enjoy it and, you know, they get some value out of it. So I I appreciate, you know, you and what you guys are doing over at Supply Chain Now. And especially on this show, Um, you guys are doing amazing work. So I just appreciate being a part of it.
0: Thanks. I appreciate it. All right. All right, everybody. That's it for Sarah. If you want to know any more, you're going to have to ask yourself. Hey, Sarah, how do people contact you?
1: So they can go to letstalksupplychain.com or ships s h i p z or z.com. Yes, and it's Sarah Barnes Humphrey on LinkedIn, ships and let's talk supply chain on LinkedIn. Um, Where else? I'm also on other social media. Be victorious.
0: Yes, that's right. Fascinating Instagram channel you have.
1: Thank you. (laughs) I try
0: (laughs) always uplifting. All right. Thank you very much. That is all you need to know about Sarah Barnes Humphrey. All right, that's all you need to know about Supply Chain Tech for this week. Don't forget to get to SupplyChainNowRadio.com for more Supply Chain Now series, interviews, and events. And now, we have two live streams per week. The most popular live show in supply chain, Supply Chain Buzz, every Monday at noon Eastern time with Scott Luton, the master, and me. Plus, our Thursday live stream, to be named later, where we bring you eh, whatever the hell we want. Like a few weeks ago when we interviewed our producer Clay, the dog, Phillips. Thanks for spending your valuable time with me and remember, acknowledge reality, but never be bound by it.